What's up, Cyber and Crypto friends? Hope everybody's doing well. Today is Friday, January the 24th of 2020. And this is episode number 100 of the Cybersecurity and Cryptocurrency Podcast. I'm your host, Eric English. All the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely my opinions and do not reflect that of my employer. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy. All right, so for the 100th episode, I wanted to change it up a little bit and get some other people's opinions rather than just uh, hearing mine constantly over and over. So for this episode, I got a good friend, uh, we're going to call him Bob, to join us uh, for the episode. And uh, we're going to basically play that uh, for this episode, and then we'll discuss more about that phone call on the next episode. So let's kick it away. Here's the conversation with Bob. I wanted to welcome in Bob. Uh, Bob's been a friend and a former colleague uh, for quite a while now. So I wanted to welcome in Bob and get his takes on uh, cybersecurity. That way you're not just hearing me blab and give my opinion. So Bob, welcome. And can you give us a brief introduction? Yeah, I'm Bob. That's not my real name. Eric, Eric decided to give me an alias to protect my real identity, I guess. And that's, you know, I guess it's appreciated in this field. Yeah. So I've been a, uh, I've been a listener to the crypto and cybersecurity podcast now since the beginning of a colleague of Eric's. Uh, we've worked in some professional capacities in the past and, uh, I've, I've probably, I know I listened to the first show and I've, I've probably listened to three quarters of all the shows since they've, they've been on. I've always enjoyed the shows. Yeah. I've been in, the cybersecurity field, IT for 20 years. Before that, I was a, a 911 paramedic for 10, but came through information security by way of IT help desk and, and then just taking on big projects. And then as the company evolved, duties evolved and regulatory compliance evolved. And now I'd say that IT security takes up a large part of my job. I love the, uh, I love the field and that's why I'm here on episode 100. <laughs> Yes, it is episode 100, and that's also the reason I decided to, you know, change it up a little bit and get some people on here to interview and talk to, and uh, that way it's not just me blabbing. Uh, but I do have one extremely important question to ask you, and hopefully this doesn't give too much away, but uh, you know when you go to the DMV and you got to give them your hair color, what do you do if you're bald? What hair color do you have to give them if you <laughs> shave your head? Um. <laughs> Well, you know, a, a bald guy isn't completely bald. It's not like a, it's not like a alopecia or anything. Um, it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's, I got, I got, I got brown hair. I guess I may be black. I don't know. Uh, you know, I guess I go with the beard color. So there you go. What is what? What is the beard color? Gray. Man, yeah. I'm getting old. Yeah, it's black and gray. Salt and pepper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Salt and pepper. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, I don't know if they put like bald on there or if they just, you know, make up make up a color like fuchsia or something or or what. I, whatever all the all the characteristics that George Clooney have has, you know, I've got the exact <laughs> opposite of those. Uh, he's got the salt and pepper hair. I got the salt and pepper beard. You know, he's fit and I'm fat. He's tall and I'm short. He's rich and I'm poor. Sounds about <laughs> yeah. right, man. <laughs> oh yeah, that's me. That's it. I've given it away. Now everybody knows that I'm not Bob and they know who I am. <laughs> totally. Now they can track you down. They're going to hunt you down and figure you out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, really. So some, some legit questions here. Uh, I did want to kind of get your take on the new CCPA stuff 
GDPR came out a while back, and of course that was a big deal in Europe and didn't affect the U.S. too terribly much. And then now the CCPA thing has come out. So how does that affect what you're doing, and have you had to mess with it much? And and what do you think about the overall CCPA as it stands now? (laughs) Well, you know, I'm more concerned with what's happening in Texas. That's where I live and where I work. So just by the nature of our particular business, we don't have a lot of clients uh, that live out of state. So it really hasn't affected us, but we're definitely keeping our eye on it because, you know, a lot of states look at California and what's going on there and then regulators get jealous to put their names on bills and and they want to say, I want to introduce, you know, some significant legislation. And then you start having versions of the California protection regulations popping up in all different kinds of states. I think New York's already passed one. I know the Texas legislators have talked about it, but it, it hasn't gone through as strong as it has in California. But, you know, this is a this is a big deal for us because, you know, I'm like you, Eric, I'm, I'm all about privacy. I think privacy is extremely important. And I do think it's due time to have good privacy regulation. What I'm worried about, though, is I forgot who said it. Somebody on Twitter said, you know, privacy by zip code is not going to work when you have 50 states with 50 different ways of doing it. And you're a business trying to operate in these in these locales. And you've got to you've got to, you know, spend money trying to trying to keep up with all these different regulations. This could be a real deal uh, or a real problem, because let's say, you know, what they were talking about is people could walk in and say, hey, give me all the data that you have on me. So if, you know, depending on your business, that may be, you know, a few things, or it could be many different things across many different systems. And that could take some time to carve their data out of log files. Let's say they have, you know, you've got some kind of internet internet product. So you've got these log files that has this customer data, and you've got to carve all that out. And then you, you maybe you've got scanned images of stuff that you have to get, and you've got to collect it all, kind of like kind of like you would a subpoena, and then deliver it to this customer in a secure fashion. And then let's say you know 500 customers do that exact same thing over the course of the next month. That's that's a lot of manpower. So you know, and that's just your California customers. But if you have you know Louisiana customers that that want a different set and Alabama customers that want a different set, uh, I did read somewhere that they were saying that it could come get to a point where it gets so crazy that, you know, businesses need whole privacy departments that basically respond to these privacy requests for data. So, yeah, that's, I guess that's my long answer, long-winded answer of that. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. I feel like there's going to be, we're going to get to the point where we're going to have to have a full department <laughs> to do it because apparently, and we're still really not 100% sure, but apparently you have to uh, contact that, that cloud vendor and then have the cloud vendor then purge that data and then report back to you. The problem is once you give it to that cloud vendor, they could have then shared it with another 10 or 20 people. And so my biggest you know, question and I guess problem is, you know, how far down that rabbit hole do you go? If you, if you give it to one provider and they share it with another 10, do you have to go and talk to those 10 if those 10 shared it out, you have to go and talk to more. I think it's just, uh, it's going to be a mess. <laughs> Absolute mess. Oh, it is. It, yeah, it's going to be a real, it's going to be a real challenge. That's why I really do think they need some really smart national regulation to begin to get a handle on it. 
and and they really are going to have to think about it and and implement something wise. Uh, it can't just be like, hey, let's just do GDPR because Europeans are having their own heck with that. So yeah, it's mm, man, that's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> I know. And, and I, I, the I don't like that with one though. Yeah, yeah, I, and I, I I don't like regulation, but I like privacy. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of bittersweet to to say yeah, come come and regulate us. You know, anytime I hear of a big tech company that is pro-regulation, I'm always like, yeah, you, you would be pro-regulation uh, because what is it to you? You know, you'll hire, you'll build a new wing or a new building and you'll hire, you know, 150 lawyers and compliance people to, uh, you know, to deal with that because you have billions of dollars in the bank to spend on that. So, you know, to those big tech companies, you know, regulation helps strangle out their competition. That is very true, and it's also unfortunate because yeah, all these mom and pop shops. I mean, what <laughs> if you call uh, <laughs> the local furniture dealer and tell them to erase your data? They're not going to know what the heck to do. So yeah, it's yeah. it'll be interesting to see, but I don't know. I just kind of throw my hands up right now because there's just there's so many rabbit holes and there's so little, I guess, understanding of what all they can actually enforce, at least thus far. So not sure and you're where right it's about go from here. You know, the data, where is it really? I was reading yeah. um, a book called Age of Surveillance Capitalism by Shoshana Saboff. I think that's how you pronounce her name. It's a pretty windy book, but man, it's enlightening. I think they were saying that if you purchase one Nest thermostat to really get some kind of idea of where all your data is located, you would have to read 1,000 EULAs. Because if you followed the third parties, third parties, third parties, third parties, uh, you'd have to read about a thousand different contracts to really understand where the data ends up. That's pretty weird. Yeah, that's, man, such a rabbit hole. (laughs) Yeah, and all of them, and all of them have uh, have uh, indemnity, uh, so they can't be held liable for anything. (laughs) Yeah, that's what makes it even worse, too. (laughs) Oh yeah. I think uh, what. What I've, I don't, I don't know if this is a solution that what I've been thinking of telling people and advising people is, like, hey, you know, once, you know, six months passes and, you know, this, the person that you've dealt with doesn't owe you money still or whatever, you're not still doing business with them, go ahead and anonymize their data completely. Uh, you can keep it for like accounting stuff, like how much they spent and stuff like that, but just anonymize everything else at the six month mark, period, end of story, <laughs> unless you're still doing business with them that way. If they call and say, where's my data? You can say, yeah, we already purged it, so you're good. But I don't know if that's, so a, that's a solution necessarily. Well, I mean, it's, a, uh, it's something, right? I mean, you have, to have, you have to have something. You have to keep trying something, and then something is going to stick and work, and then you're going to have a solution. You know, I guess banks can't really do that. I mean, they've got so many regulations about Bank Secrecy Act and Patriot Act and all that stuff. I know the government uses them to look for money laundering and stuff like that, so... I don't, I don't see, I see banks being exempt, I guess, financial institutions so that the government can always, you know, subpoena a bank for information and track the money. You can't just, I mean, if you were a drug dealer and and you were protected by privacy laws, you can't just have banks deleting data because they were requested by, you know, by somebody, right? I guess. Yeah, totally agree. There's so many things to think about. I I don't know. I could sit here and it it blows my mind to even sit here and think about it (laughs) even a little bit. My mind just melts trying to to figure it all out. You'll have to have (laughs) some companies that have exemptions, you know, and then it'll be a race to get your company exempted. You know, you'll be trying to 
do all yeah. kinds of legal loopholes to get to get the exemption so that you you don't have to delete upon request or you don't have to you know fill all these different requests i don't know man it's it's, it's going to be interesting we'll see what our friends over there in the european union do i guess <laughs> i guess we shall so i wanted to touch on some other topics too with you as well so i, I was kind of curious you know i'm always asking folks what do they use for you know cybersecurity tools and things like that what kind of new or old or whatever cybersecurity tools have you been looking at and or using and which ones do you think are kind of the the best ones that you've seen and used hmm. are you talking personally like personal privacy that could and be cybersecurity it could be personal uh, cybersecurity stuff or it could be work related either way you know on the personal front you know like you i have definitely gone to a end to end encryption messaging system to get away from iMessage and and all the other, um, you know, Facebook Messenger and all that stuff. Uh, obviously, I know how you feel about Facebook, and I feel the same way. You know, I use Wire for end-to-end encryption for messaging between me and, you know, the people I trust. Um, I password for password management. I, I like the Firefox web browser. I use ExpressVPN. You know, I just try to, and, and then I try to promote that with, you know, the people I know, loved ones, family members, and stuff like that, my mom. I just got her using one password and you know my family using one password and works works out pretty well. Nice. Yeah, yeah, and that's no easy task, you know, training a 67-year-old my mom and she's pretty techy, <laughs> but you know, where she getting her converted to one password, she was like, uh, you know, come on. Do we really have to do all this? I'm like, no, it's really going to make your life easier. You're, you're going to be surprised. It's just copy and paste your password. It yeah, was, that one's going to be rough. tough for me too. I need to do um, it, but I haven't yet. <laughs> what's your, and, and you know, I, oh, man, you know, I know a lot of people out there love Google products and, and Google Chrome and stuff, but I'm, I still like my Firefox. I like, I like, I like what, you know, Mozilla, I like what they stand for. They always seem to be very privacy focused. They're not trying to, you know, create algorithms to sell us things like Google. You know, at my house, you know, ExpressVPN, I, I run the, um, the Linksys Flash, uh, firmware Flash for my, for my house, so my whole house has, you know, VPN capability there. That's kind of nice that they do that. And and I know a lot of people like Nord and, and different ones. And I guess uh, it's kind of like I don't know, you know, the fights, right? Everybody's going to say, well, Nord's better than this, or Signal's better than Wire. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And I don't. I I think probably at any one time, one is better than the other. As time goes by, they they just kind of keep lapping each other, I guess. But I mean, you just got to use it and try to promote it and get other people to use that kind of stuff. But I bought my wife a Chromebook because she hates information security. You know what I mean? It's always good to marry somebody <laughs> that's your exact opposite uh, because they help you see the world <laughs> in, a, with, in a way that you, you sometimes should. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if I, were, if I was married to another information security person, nobody would ever want to come over to our house. But my wife, is, you know, she's definitely more open and she just thinks all this information security stuff is a pain in the ass. No, I hate your computers. They're always asking me to update this and blocking this and you make me turn off this plug in just so I can go to this stupid web page. And so I finally bought her a Chromebook and, and she's been happy ever since. She's like, Oh, it's so wonderful. It comes on automatically. It never has to it never seems to update. It's just like it's just magic. I love my Chromebook. I'm just I just want to throw up every time she's on it. Yeah, as I don't far like as work goes, either, but what are you gonna yeah. do? Yeah. Yeah, um have you heard like uh just in general, some of these new tools that are coming out 
they're using deep learning and neural networks and all this kind of stuff. Have you heard anything yeah. about it? Because everybody's like AI and machine learning and all this stuff. But then I hear this deep learning and neural network stuff. Have you heard anything about those? Yeah, I think you were sharing one with me. Uh, was it Deep Instinct or Deep Impact or what was it called? Deep it was, Instinct, yep. Deep yeah, Deep Instinct. instinct. Yeah, and I think I've, I've got a, uh, they, they want us to do a webinar for us and uh, take a look at it. And, and I think you put it through its paces in a POC and said it was not bad. I did, yeah. I mean, it's it it blocked everything I tried to send at it, and it 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 even blocked it before it ever even touched the computer's hard drive. Like mid download, uh, it was gone. <laughs> it's uh, it was really really cool stuff. I just didn't know if I haven't seen anybody else using that kind of tech on on anything else cybersecurity related. I think if it's really this good, why isn't everybody doing it? Maybe it's just a new thing. Well, there's a lot of stuff that comes out that if you're doing good due diligence, you know, part of that due diligence is, you know, reviewing the company, its history, talking to other customers and clients, looking at their financials over one, two, three years, seeing their vision and mission of where the company is going. And, and a lot of these little startups, you know, they're not in business, you know, two years later, their, their whole mission was to, you know, pop up, catch on fire, and then attract a bunch of VC capital and then sell to somebody. And, and we really try to stay away from products like that. But, you know, machine learning, artificial intelligence, neural networks, and all that stuff. You know, I, I like Elon, right? And he says it's going to change the world, that it's going to have a bigger impact on the world than nuclear weapons. So it, it ain't going away. Yeah, I, I find it just fascinating, all the stuff that they're using uh, deep learning for like uh, self-driving cars is probably one of the bigger ones that I hear it used with. But anyway, I'm just surprised, I guess, that there's not any other companies other than Deep Instinct using that kind of tech with cybersecurity. It seems like it's a seems like it's a no-brainer, but well, I don't I think, know. Maybe they're uh, the only guys that thought of it. <laughs> was it? I think Silence says they use some machine learning in their product. Um, not that not the deep learning or not, I can't, I can't speak to what the differences are exactly. Um, but I think, I think there's other tools that, that say they use machine learning of some kind or artificial intelligence. Um, yeah, they, they kind of all say that they're, they're AI and machine learning, but th apparently deep learning is like a whole nother level of AI. And it's uh, kind of the next step forward in AI. It's not, because, uh, you know, with, even with machine learning and AI, you still have to give it some sort of parameters. You still have to yeah. say, hey, this is what you need to sort of look for. Now go find things that kind of look like that. And it'll go out and it'll find stuff like that. But uh, apparently with deep learning and neural networks, you're basically building what they call like a brain type thing. And that brain is learning what's good and bad. And you obviously have to train this brain, they call it. And over time, that brain gets trained to just kill stuff off that's bad, like right away. And then you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to feed it any other kind of parameters. Yeah, I think uh, Google's DeepMind project, those are the guys that did AlphaGo, I think was the first one that beat Lisa Dole in the Go. And then um, and then they developed AlphaZero. Was AlphaZero deep learning? Where it didn't know anything no. about anything. I don't know. Very well could be. Play. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's pretty crazy stuff, man. It's it's definitely going to change, you know, everything. I mean, even even SOC analysts, right? What is what is the future for SOC analysts look like if if all that is is done by um, you know AI and deep learning? I mean, a lot of people cut their teeth in you know analyst jobs like that. Yeah, it's certainly going to be 
fascinating to see where it all winds up in the next few years. But um, yeah, I heard of uh, adversarial cool. AI, right? Where um, yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. So yeah, we'll just be like it'll be like uh, Battlestar Galactica. I remember watching the new Battlestar. Did you watch the new Battlestar Galactica? I have not, unfortunately. But you can go ahead and put yeah. out on it. That's cool. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I remember. You know there. In, in the new Battlestar Galactica, obviously the Cylons are an advanced artificially intelligent machine, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, the Galactica is an old battleship and it has no network computers. I remember in like the first episode, uh, they were turning the battle. The Cylons have been gone for like 50 years. Nobody's seen them. They think the war's over. Um, they don't need Battlestars anymore. So they're turning the old Battlestar Galactica into a museum and they're giving tours and they're saying the Battlestar Galactica has no network computers because, you know, the Cylons were so good at hacking and all this other stuff. Uh, you'll notice that the phones have actual cables and, and all the other things. And I'm always thinking about, you know, what if what if that's the way it becomes where artificial intelligence, you know, they turn these artificial intelligent hacking machines on us. And, and it's just a, such a game of cat and mouse. Nobody can keep up with it so fast that we have to go back to, you know, we take out voice over IP phone systems and go back to cables and wires and non-network computer systems. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, that's definitely fascinating to think about what, what could be. Uh, it's definitely scary, too. I think about that kind of stuff, too. And I'm like, man, are we going to get back to pencil and paper at some point? Because like you said, that's the rate it's going. I mean, we're going to have, we already have cyber warfare happening. So, yeah, if they get their hands on this deep learning kind of stuff, it's just going to, ugh, going to escalate and get worse and worse oh yeah we're supposed to keep up. <laughs> quantum quantum computing that possibly can break you know all this encryption and new forms of encryption will come out yeah it's exciting yeah crazy stuff man well hey look i didn't want to take too much of your time but i certainly appreciate uh you coming on and, and giving us some of your your time and your insights on on cybersecurity stuff and we'll definitely have to do it again sometime soon and then we can blab about all kinds of other more fun stuff but uh, I also want to talk to you about some crypto stuff, but I also don't make the, the podcast super long for this episode. So we'll, we'll save that one for uh, the next time that we chat. All right. Sounds good, Eric. Thanks for having me on. All right, Bob. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. All right. All right. Bye-bye. And that wraps up our conversation with Bob. I do want to thank him for taking the time to meet with me and, and chat about all kinds of fun things. So thank you very much, Bob. Definitely appreciate that. All right, folks, that's all we've got for today. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy, at CyberCryptoGuy on Twitter. Check me out on there. I retweet a bunch of the articles that we talk about here on the show. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again soon.